now. Hello everybody, welcome back to Coffee Kids. This is uh, the rebranding, episode two, I guess, of like our newer kind of run at the show. Uh, I'm CK President, one of your hosts. And I'm Grayson, or Refuge, sorry, R-X-F-U-G-E. Yeah, we, we can figure, <laughs> yeah, we can align on that whenever. I don't, we can do real names, we can do screen names. Uh, whatever you guys want to do is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, my name's yeah. Steve, <laughs> Um, welcome back, everybody, though. Thanks for joining us again for another discussion. Um, it's been a couple weeks since we put something out. The holidays were very busy, as I'm sure Gray will, will tell you here when we talk about what we've been watching, reading, and playing. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and welcome back. Um, so let's start with what, what we've been watching, reading, and playing The Rap. Um, at some point, I want to get a sound effect for that, I think. Like, maybe some bubble wrap or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah something like that um but anyway why don't you go ahead and start grayson because i feel like you've had a little bit less free time so you can run us through what you've yeah. been consuming um i spent about two weeks in california visiting my family um for those of you don't know who don't know i live in the east coast but i grew up in san diego so we ventured back for the holidays and it was kind of like every day doing something different and then coming home it was kind of rough because you're like getting back into the swing of going to work Mm-hmm. And like coming home, you're so tired, you know, from like you need a vacation from the vacation. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really been reading too much, watching too much TV except for sports. Oh, uh, okay. Who do you except, got picked for today? For the games? Uh, today, I'm really kind of like it's it's an underdog weekend, I feel like, except for the Niners. Yeah. Oh, we should be clear. We're recording this on the 12th of uh, January, 2020. A new oh, it's a Sunday. A, a the day Sunday. after the. Uh, uh, the Titans completely upset Baltimore Ravens. Oh man. Okay. See, I didn't. I don't know actually what happened. Yet. I, so I'm. I'm one of those weird football fans. I really only follow like the news relating to the Packers, and I don't even honestly watch every game. So I wouldn't consider myself like an avid football guy um, gotcha. anymore. But I am gonna go watch the game with my dad this afternoon. He's like, he puts up like a an altar of stuff, and he just like, <laughs> yeah, like he goes wild with. Uh, the amount of paraphernalia he puts up. So, is it an altar of cheese? Yes, it is. <laughs> Different cheese, like brie. Oh, I don't know. Goat. I don't. Um, I can go into this for a while. My mom's a Packers fan, and I just like to make fun of her the whole time because she really doesn't care about the Packers necessarily. She cares about Aaron Rodgers. Right. So. Yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. It's, it's um, really weird. Yeah. So I'm. I'm pretty excited to watch the game. I don't. I think it'd be cool if the Vikings and the Packers ended up facing each other a little championship uh, in the north the but i doubt yesterday. that that will happen did the vikings lose yesterday oh did they see i don't know that would make sense they played yesterday I didn't they? they did i thought yeah. they played the niners yesterday and the niners won yeah that's what yeah sounds about right <clears throat> it would have been bitch. uh would have been great for kirk cousins to actually go through and yeah they lost 27 to 10 oh man wow i only watched the i watched part of the ravens game and it just looked terrible just atrocious i don't know how you can let tennessee beat you it was no good uh it would mean it was a good game for tennessee but you know if you're a baltimore ravens fan which i'm not but i live in the area so it's kind of you feel obligated to a certain degree yeah 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 yeah, okay so sports um any gaming at all for you while you were traveling and hanging with the family or probably not Um, right i mean not really much uh kind of trying out cuphead i know i'm a little late to the game on that i have not played uh, it either are you playing that on switch yeah so um i had a switch originally and it broke okay 
it was like a software issue, firmware issue, something like that. And I feel like I have really bad luck when it comes to that stuff. Anyway, I um, yeah. got a replacement, which is pretty cool. And then I got Cuphead. And the game is really complicated. Like, it's not really complicated. It's a pretty simple premise. <laughs> wait, wait, it's actually, it's not complicated, hard. but it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's freaking hard. Yeah, it seems very um mechanically demanding, right? Like, it's like a super intense platform yeah. shooter. Yeah, up, I, guess. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. Um, I also got Assassin's Creed, the Rogue Bundle or whatever it is. So it comes with, like, Black Flag which is a great game, mm-hmm. and Assassin's Creed Rogue, which mm-hmm. is also another great game. Um, so I got those. I got a little, little That's pretty cool. Is that also on Switch? You're playing those? Yeah. Oh, and interesting. I also have a ton of PC games that I have to try and sort through and all this other stuff that I'm trying to... You know, you never find time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about backlogs for gamers yeah. and how ridiculous of a concept like you you almost never essentially get to all of the items in your backlog um so for me like the big one that was in mine i, I think mine is pretty small but like the big one that was or big two i should say that were in mine were final fantasy 15 and uh bioshock one remastered so i've never mm-hmm. played the original bioshock and i own <sighs> the collection on ps4 i know i've played two and i've played infinite which is like <laughs> the worst of the of the three, and not the infinite. I, mean, I liked infinite, but um, I know two is not I like, well regarded. I liked infinite. Um, I, to to be like completely fair, I loved all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have their different quirks. It's kind of like with the halos or the dark souls. Like everyone kind of makes fun of dark souls too, but I absolutely love dark souls too for what it is. Yeah, yeah I had a like lot of fun with it. It's the only one that yeah. I do not own though. Yeah, I own them all on different consoles. And... Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know why I keep coming back to it, but yeah. Have you, have you heard the rumor that Bluepoint, so the people who did the Shadow of the Colossus um, remake, and they also remastered and bundled the Uncharted collection, they're working on. The rumor is they're working on a Demon Souls remastered for PS4 uh, and PS5, which would be amazing because I never played that game. I don't know if I will be purchasing a PlayStation 5 though. I don't think I will be purchasing it launch year because it or this year i should say because it comes back to what we were just saying so my backlog was bioshock and ff15 i also own mm-hmm. final fantasy 15 it's just massive and i haven't got around to starting it yeah, and then plus hour game right and then with all the sales happening i don't know if you got a chance to look at the playstation store over the last couple of weeks but there was like 1200 games on sale and yeah. i ended up getting a bunch of gift cards for christmas for the psn and so i bought days gone horizon zero dawn the complete edition and control so i so have those I, three in my backlog and then i've platinumed and i hundred percented star wars jedi fallen order so that's both okay. that's mostly what i've been playing over the last month i heard there's a secret ending to fallen order if you hundred percent it was is it have you, did you beat it normally or did you just go straight in um so i like, like 100%. i hundred percented in terms of the trophies um mm-hmm. which pretty much aligned with like hundred percenting so i got all the chests all the secrets um, all the data logs, scanned all enemy types, had a fully grown like terrarium, um, maxed out all my skills, 100% at every planet in terms of exploring. And nothing mm-hmm. happened for me in terms of a secret ending. I don't know if I had to go to try to trigger something somewhere. Um, like, if anything, I was missing maybe one or two like scan data logs that aren't required for like completion. Um, but I don't remember exactly. But it fantastic game, though. I really enjoyed my time with that. God, yeah. I mean, it's a technical mess, but because playing on a, B- a base PS4, I should say it like the loading was horrible. There's a lot of texture pop in. 
basically I couldn't run during the game or the game would just like not know how to handle loading things properly on the map. So I had to just walk everywhere, um, which was fine because you got to like explore and take it all in. But um, also trying to open the mini map when you were on an elevator seemed to like completely freeze my game for like 30 to 40 seconds. <laughs> so it's a lot of weird stuff. But overall, yeah. I would recommend it. It's like a solid eight. I mean, I, I beat the game on PC. Uh, I didn't beat it hundred percent though. Oh, okay. I thought, was, I thought it was a great storyline. Yeah. Kind of like it revitalized. Well, I mean, I I love respawn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Titanfall one and two are great games, and then Apex is obviously pretty fun. Yeah. So I, I had a lot. I didn't really have a lot of faith though coming in because they've only done first person shooters, but mm-hmm. they did a phenomenal job. I feel like with IP. It was almost like um, kind of reminds me of what Guerrilla Games did with transitioning from Kill Zones to Horizon. I mean, I think Horizon is a better game and more technically impressive, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, if this game ran better right out of the gate, like maybe if they just had like even three or four months more to polish it up, I feel like we yeah. would have had a really solid like first outing at a third person action RPG. Um, but instead what we got was a little bit of a, yeah, like a technical mess, but a great story. Um, pretty light in its Dark Souls inspiration. I know they kind of like said that it was, but it was pretty minimal. It, I mean, other than the fact that, oh yeah, you die and you lose everything. Mm -hmm. That's not really, I feel like that's not really a game mechanic that Dark Souls patented. You know what I mean? No, it it felt more like a Sekiro clone than anything. Yeah, don't even get me started on that game. I was not, I'm, I'm one of the few people that was like not into that game does that make sense i played it i beat it and oh, that you was did beat it. it like I, yeah i'm not like i'm not about like oh yeah man it's such a phenomenal game blah 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 like it was a good game but yeah it's just not not for me you know i cert i didn't finish it um i bought it earlier this year when i like i didn't get it when it came out and then oh excuse me a bunch of like reviews and stuff were coming out people loved it and uh so i was like all right i'll pick it up I got probably past, where did I get to? I beat the folding screen monkeys, um, mm-hmm. and then I was on my way to the guardian ape, basically, yeah. um, and just kind of fell fell off of it. Like, I didn't necessarily hit a wall, but I just wasn't really enticed to keep playing. At some point, I just was like, eh, I kind of get the idea of what it's, what it's going for, and I prefer Dark Souls and Bloodborne much more than yeah. that, so I just... They should have just went for Bloodborne, too, is my opinion, but... Yeah, I don't know if you're I gonna mean, get a Bloodborne too. I feel like you're gonna get this Elden Ring, and then you'll get yeah. Demon Souls remastered, and that'll just hold you over until whatever's next. Yeah, and I think um, I think they're. I mean, they're. He said they're done with Dark Souls, so yeah, which and is for a shame. now anyway. I mean, but you you can't. I mean, the more iterations you do of it, the more watered down it gets. Mm-hmm. People kind of. I mean, it's the same thing over and over again, which is fine. Give it a couple years and reboot it, kind of like with Assassin's Creed. Yeah, you know what I mean, like take it take a couple years off, give us something great, you know? Yeah. I almost wonder what it would be like. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with some of their older games, the Kingsfield franchise, but from what I've seen, they appear to be like first-person fantasy Dark Souls, and it'd be kind of interesting for them to come back in like with a first-person game that still had that same um, like difficulty and sort of mystery that they're known for in all their games. Um, Yeah. So we'll see. We'll Um, see. But yeah, that's mostly what I've been playing. I got a couple comic books for uh, Christmas, too. I know we don't normally talk comics, but the Marvel teamed up with Riot Games to make a couple League of Legends comics for a few of their champions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read those, and um, I got Contact Harvest in the Halo series like nice. books, and um, Fall of Reach, the like definitive edition. So 
I guess after 343 got involved, they added another 20 or so pages to the book, so it's that, like, final edition I've been reading. It's They're trying to link the game in with the actual, like... So I've read I've read different things, and I can't remember who posted the video. I want to say it's, like, Eckhart's Ladder or something on YouTube. He oh, has yeah. A, he has a how you link follow reach the game or halo reach the game and follow reach the books together to make them cohesive and make the story make sense because technically they're both canon right and it's kind of hard to i don't i don't know and we'll, we'll get into that yeah we're, we're gonna get into it because as gray's alluding to here the topic of discussion for today is uh halo reach um, I think in most of its facets, uh, so I've been reading the book, The Fall of Reach. I watched the Netflix, well, it's not a Netflix original, but it's on Netflix, the like sort of Fall of Reach animated movie. Um, mm-hmm. I played through the game recently again on Legendary when it came out on MCC. Um, so definitely like kind of immersing myself in all things Halo Reach. Um, so I think it's probably a good time we can we can jump into it wherever you want to take the conversation initially gray i will leave that to you because there's so much to talk about so i guess like what comes to mind when you think about halo reach i mean we can start at the beginning i mean for most of the halo lore i guess um it's kind of hard to explain it mean, you could do brief like if we want to incorporate the books comics things like that into mm-hmm. our discussions we can kind of give a brief description on what's been happening yeah um I mean, if you feel comfortable doing that, go ahead. Otherwise, I'll take a crack at it, too. Whatever works. Yeah, so obviously we're about 500 years in the future from now. Um, Humanity has figured out how to do uh, faster than light travel Mm -hmm. as far as a Sha Fujikawa um, translight drive, hyperspace almost, however you want to. Yeah, it's slip space, I think they call it, but whatever, irrelevant. Yeah. It's based on radiation and bending space. They they actually did a really good job like explaining it in uh, I want to say it's first strike something like that. Yeah. Those ones anyway. Um, it's been a while since I've read those books. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, um, humanity's expanded like we always do, or like kind of like parasites almost falling on these worlds, inhabiting them, changing them, and then like humanity always does, we started fighting each other. Uh, right. You had the outer rim colonies who, I want to say they're the Confederacy, they're not the, they're just rebels, pretty much. Yeah, insur- the, insurrectionists, or something, yeah. I think, yeah. Then you have the inner colonies, which is the un- controlled under the UNSC, uh, United Nations Space Command. Mm-hmm. And they've been fighting for, it was like 50 years, something like that. Yeah, it's a long time. Anyway, yeah, it's been a long, drawn out fight, like drag out fight, and obviously the UNSC has more firepower. Mm-hmm. Um, but they want to put a decisive end to this, so they start a program called the Orion 2 Project, um, which is like human augmentation. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, in the middle of this program, um, they come in contact, not real, not the program itself, but humanity comes in contact with this super slick, dark, um, almost a vessel yeah. in the outer colonies, and... One of the first messages that comes to, they try to hail it a couple times. One of the first messages that comes through is pretty much uh, a big threat, like humanity's scum. Yeah, like, we're here to wipe you out, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's interesting too. It's like a little bit religious, I think, initially. And I only know this because I had just read Contact Harvest, but essentially the idea was like your destruction is the will of the gods. You know, like that's like the only thing that they can really parse out of the message. Um, yeah. 
so they just know like okay well this is clearly a threat <laughs> like whatever this entity is um yeah and the entity ah. ends up being the covenant, the covenant which is the primary antagonist um an alien sort of conglomerate that you fight against in the halo franchise um you have some other aliens in there too you get the forerunners in the newer franchise and you have the flood um but essentially the main threat is this group of highly religious um aliens multiple species called the covenant extremists who are dead set on killing humanity mm-hmm. uh, and the only reason they're dead set on killing humanity is because the forerunner which is kind of like i don't understand how that necessarily plays out we'll get into that later on when we get into like talk about the cryptum and primordium and things like that yeah uh, anyway yeah uh, I've, I've read cryptum and primordium i think there is a third book that i have not read in that franchise if i remember correctly um yeah i stopped reading that i didn't read that last one but yeah that that franchise was a bit weird i mean it was interesting to kind of it jumped back like thousands of years or whatever back to when the forerunners were like alive and well um so it's interesting to kind of see part of that but i don't know you just have no context for it i mean the nice thing for me about reading some of these books that take place like right before reach or concurrent to reach or during the events of halo one and two is like you have the games to sort of anchor and give you a visual like aid. Um, and so it's almost like supplemental, like filling in sort of the gaps with these books. But with something like the forerunner saga, I just like didn't really have any way to visualize it until halo four and five came out. And then that did start to help. But, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, we can, uh, I'll try to speed up a little bit. Anyway, um, Covenant invades this planet called Harvest, which is one of the outer colonies. UNSC quickly deploys a um, platoon of Marines, which mm-hmm. is like the main fighting force. Um, I believe the story takes or like kind of follows uh, Sergeant Avery Johnson. Who, it does. If you played any of the Halo, um, any of the Halo games, you understand he's kind of one of the main protagonists. Yeah, uh, it's actually a really good story. It uh, is. I, I really liked that book. Actually, I thought it was. It was really yeah. well written, and it also kind of added more depth to the the Covenant as well, and what their initial like proceedings were when they encountered humanity. Um, yeah. Because the Covenant, when we see them in Halo One and Two, has just undergone a really sort of large dramatic shift. Yeah, yeah, a really big shift that you don't know anything about until you read that book almost. So yeah. they really just cool. switched over to the elites being protectors and the introduction of the brutes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, it is. Actually, the, the ships being... that uh, contact Harvest, there are no Sangheili, um actually on the planet. According to the books, it's all – they sent essentially one to two ships, and they were Jeral Hanai, I think is how they say that. Jeral Hanai, yeah, which is yeah, the Brutes, right? the Brutes, correct. Yep. And it was their first real – I guess not, not necessarily a mission that they were trusted with by the Prophets. Um, but they're the only but they're the only Brute ship that was given a Covenant cruiser, actually, yeah. yeah. So it was like their test mission. Yeah, and – it actually worked out very well for them. Uh-huh. It also introduced humanity to the brutality that the Covenant had, which is... Um, I, don't, I don't explain it. Well, glassing, anyway, right? I mean, that's the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, the glassing aspect, because we won the ground war. Overall, we lost a ton of people, but we won the ground war. Yep. And then they decided, okay, uh, you can have the planet, but we're going to destroy it. And right. by destroying it, meaning we're going to glass it, which are these hyper intensive plasma rays that they shoot from the bottom of their ships which like hyperheats all the 
soil and water boils away the oceans mm-hmm. on the planet, and glass is pretty much the top of the planet, making it uninhabitable. Yeah, it essentially destroys all life on the planet. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so after that, we have more conflicts with the Covenant. Um, some major conflicts to the point where we're losing planets rapidly and people rapidly. We're fighting a losing war. Mm-hmm. Uh, for every one ship that we are able to take out of commission, I want to say we lose three or four. Yeah, that's and, about right. Yeah, it's a terrible ratio. Um, and we decided to input these protocols, one of them being the coal protocol, which is if you are going to lose your ship or you come in contact with the Covenant whatsoever, you destroy any um, any data that includes Earth mm-hmm. or how to get to Earth. And Earth is going to be our kind of home planet, I mean, obviously. Yeah, it's our fallback point. It's like the yeah. thing you need to protect the most. So it, tying in with the Orion Project, they're developing these um, these super soldiers, they're going to call them Spartans, on this planet called Reach, which is our heaviest military outpost in the outer colonies. Correct. Um, I want to say it's the first planet with uh, orbital, um, what do you call them, orbital cannons. Oh, so I think have so. Orbital, An orbital yeah, defense orbital grid or whatever. Defense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Geodefense grid, what do they call it, um, which are these super, um, super powerful Mac cannons, um, magnetic decelerator cannons, mm-hmm. which fire these six-ton piece of tungsten at the speed of light, and they can blow right through a Covenant shield and through a ship. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the only weapon we have that's effective in terms of space combat. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so they assume that this planet is safe, and we come to find out with Halo Reach and the Fall of Reach that it is. Spoiler alert, it's not safe. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, and Halo or uh, the Fall of Reach, the book. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. It makes sense that it doesn't really overlap with the game in terms of the story very much. Um, the the book focuses around Dr. Catherine Halsey um, and her like sort of group of scientists and and uh, training officers as they train this new generation of Spartans, uh, the Spartan Twos, um, and outfit them in what would come to be like their standard armor, known as uh, Mjolnir, which is a sort of synthetically enhanced armor to that interacts with your neural pathways in such a way. It basically amplifies your speed and your strength even more than these people were already amplified via their augmentation. Um, so together they become these unstoppable, unkillable machines. But in the process they lose, you know, what is it, like 70 to 80% of the class of students ends up dying, I think, before the end of everything. They call them washouts because it's a medical... They wash out medically, yeah. meaning either die or they their body becomes so disfigured mm-hmm. that they're unable to perform their duty. Right. And what's kind of interesting is we do learn later on in the Halo-like universe that some of them donated their minds to become AI. Um, and I always really liked this aspect of the Halo universe, that there is artificial intelligence, and we do have sort of computer-aided like functionings in all of these military bases, and they're incredibly fast and... Um, just amazing, really, but they are sort of a mix between a machine and a brain that they're scanned or grafted from initially, so these AI all have names and personalities, and sort of there's always an internal conflict within the AI of, like, their core logic and their emotional response to things, Um, and the books do a really good job of, like, kind of showing that dynamic. You don't really get it as much with Cortana in the games, but um, 
Cortana is a a graft or sort of a copy of Catherine Halsey. So yeah, um, yeah, pretty. I think interesting. my favorite one is uh, so there's two different ones that I really liked as far as the books. You have Deja, who's the um, she's kind of like the teacher, the logic teacher for the Spartans as they're yeah. growing up. She's tactician she comes, in training. Yeah, mm-hmm. she comes to truly care about her students, um, which is kind of weird for an AI. And they actually, I think they talk about studying her, her emotional, because she's been with them for forever. Yeah. Um, and then you have a, uh, I want to say it's Wellesley, and mm-hmm. uh, first contact or first strike. Okay. The one that's on the halo ring that helps them attack, and he truly believes that he's, um, I want to say it's Wellesley who fought at the Battle of Waterloo. Okay. <laughs> He's like mentally, he's... yeah. He's like <laughs> not like not all there, and it kind of kind of adds this comedic aspect. Like he's a brilliant tactician, but at the same time, he's like he's a he believes movie. he's yeah he believes in the early eighteen hundreds. Like oh my gosh, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, these are the quirks that they have. Uh, I guess we can kind of explain a little bit about the different grades of Spartans, because if we're going to talk about Fall of Reach, we have to talk about Spartan 3s as well. Yeah, well, yeah, so that's the thing. Okay, so in the books, we're following the group of Spartan 2s, but my question has always been, and I should have looked into this beforehand, what were the Spartan 1s? Because I don't find them referenced in a lot of things. Spartan 1s were the first attempt at genetic augmentation. They didn't obviously had no idea to set them with armor, but there was kind of like an idea of... um, how, how do we make our soldiers better, more reliable, stronger, faster, whatever? I mean, things like this have always been going on through history, but the Spartan 1 program, which included Avery Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, it's medical augmentations that ultimately failed. Um, some of them be- became hyper-aggressive. Okay. Um, they had to be um, not put down necessarily, but put down. Like out of commission um, as far as a soldier. Yeah. yeah. And then some of them were successful, but... They didn't. It, it didn't pan out the way the UNSC had thought, so they kind of shelved the program. But you get kind of these. Um, so, like some of the survivors had kids, mm-hmm. and some of the genetic augmentations passed down to their children. Okay. Which made them like they call them Spartan 1.5s or Spartan 1.1s, um, and the UNSC actively hunted them down, or only I guess the office yeah. of naval intelligence, not the UNSC, but. Yeah, and the Oni's kind of like the CIA of the the Halo world. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, later, what they do to the same Healy later on is devastating. Terrible. Right. Yeah, they're not <laughs> they're not the most well-regarded organization. I mean, they're incredibly brilliant and, and um, really great tacticians and very, like, good at keeping secrets and keeping lids on things, but they don't necessarily... They act with a moral gray compass, or morally gray compass, I should say. It's the better, or what is it, the greater good. Yeah, the greater good. They could care less about you or your family as long as it doesn't as long as it serves the greater humanity mm-hmm. and keeping their you know I, I mean it's they're a good organization but they're also not a very good organization right I mean they for the Spartan twos they essentially kidnap these children they they identified yeah. children with great aptitude and and um, incredible strength at a young age and then essentially kidnapped I, them I, and put yeah. them into military training to become Spartan told them twos. that their told them that their parents were dead. Yep. They couldn't go home, um, and it kind of – they're initially, if I remember correctly, they're trying to get that revenge, like I want revenge against the Covenant type thing to get them to fight and get them to want to be fighters. Mm-hmm. And that kind of drove them through their entire process of brainwashing these children, making them into super soldiers, and then ultimately destroying their bodies. Yeah. yeah that's kind of devastating, but 
it worked for some of them. I mean, yeah, it worked for like Chief. a fifth of the total class. <laughs> um, after the Spartan Two program became um, wasn't necessarily a success, but they considered it a success. But they also realized that the um, monetary aspect of it was not viable to create more super soldiers. So, In the time it took, like yeah. twenty years. Yeah, they eventually ended up shelving it, and then later on. Um, Dr. Halsey discovered that another one of her, um, I can't remember his name, it's General something or other, had pulled the project and pretty much bastardized it and made it, um, I guess, using some of the chemicals and things like that they used to alter the human body to make them stronger and faster. They, some of the stuff that they're like, oh yeah, we can't use this, it'll hurt these people. They mm-hmm. decided, oh, we'll use them anyway, just cheaper. Yeah. Um, they're making disposable super soldiers in the Spartan 3s. Correct. Um, I think that's in Ghost of Onyx that that's detailed a bit more. I can't remember exactly, but it's, again, in one of the books. Like, you would not know any of this information had you just played, like, Halo Reach out of the box, you know? Um, Which is kind of funny because you play as Spartan 3s in Halo Reach. Right, exactly. There's only only one Spartan 2 on the team. Um, It's George. But long story short, I'll kind of catch up up where we're at. Mm -hmm. Um, There's only – the Spartan 3 program was seen as a success uh, because they are – disposable you know it's kind of sad to think a human life would like be like that but they're meant to be as the spartan twos were meant to be um independent super soldiers i guess who can work in a team the spartan threes were meant to be uh completely team oriented they're effective by themselves but they are way way more effective as a team right and only a certain number of them were granted the mjolnir armor which is the armor the spartan twos wore Mm -hmm. um really expensive stuff (laughs) yeah i.e. Noble Six or Noble Team who have kind of um, proven themselves capable of you know wearing this armor and being um, considered full strength Spartans, right? And not as disposable as their um, their brethren, their brothers and sisters, I guess, who are wearing SPI armor, semi-powered infiltration armor. Yep, I'm glad you knew what the acronym stood for because I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, which is kind of no shielding. It was meant to take one plasma burst. Yeah, it's more effective than like the standard infantry or uh, OB or what is it, orbital drop, drop ODST troopers. Yeah, um, but it's not quite as effective, obviously, as Mjolnir. Um, yeah. So anyway, we can get kind of get to the. Yeah. So what? What at the beginning of Halo Reach? For those of you that have played, you'll know this. But if you haven't, um, you essentially are taking the. You're playing as Noble Six. Um, you're the new addition to Noble Team, and I don't remember if it's because they lost a member of their team or if they're just trying they to did. add you in. I don't. I don't know if they really explain how that happened. I'm assuming it's implied the insurrectionists maybe killed them somehow. I'm not really sure. Uh, it's actually the Covenant. So if is you it okay? The, so you remember the trailers, like the four, uh, four Halo Reach when it was coming out, where you had them like running on a battlefield. Mm-hmm. Cat like threw the bomb to a guy who looks like Noble Six, mm. and he uses a jetpack to fly up into a cruiser, and like throws the bomb into the cruiser. Oh, but he, okay. See, I don't know so, if I really saw much of the marketing for this game because I. So this game came out in 2010. I was studying abroad in London for three months when the game came out, and so I didn't buy it until January of 2011. So I got the game pretty late, and I missed a lot of them. I wasn't watching TV there, or YouTube, or whatever. So I think I missed it. I just didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's the original Spartan, or Noble Six, and he didn't make it out of the ship. Okay. <laughs> Which seems to be a running trend with Noble Team. It really does. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people, not just Noble Team, with uh, Spartans in general, they like the idea of putting a bomb on something and just jumping away from it. 
you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, he didn't make it, so the Oni, they call them Oni Brass, um, decided to transfer this Spartan three, who was a um, the only other Spartan in history to consider it hyper-lethal. hyper-lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's completely successful assassin on his own. Um, they're t- initially tagged with a partner, but he's outlived all of his partners. Yeah. So he, they kind of, as a punishment for him, not really a punishment, um, they're running low on resources at this point. They decided to put him with Noble Team. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning of the game, that's when uh, Carter, Noble One, pretty much tells him, you know, I've seen... I've seen your record, you know, even yep. the things that have been supposedly blacked out, and you know we're a team that lone wolf stuff stays behind. Yep, and it kind of plays out from there. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, definitely. So I think that brings us up to speed in terms of the setting for the story, and like that's crazy because we just talked for like probably what 17, 18 minutes there about that, and yeah, you up. don't know any of that when you come into just like opening the box. You get that little exchange there with Carter in the beginning where. Oh, that lone wolf stuff stays behind, and you know we're a team. We operate a bit differently. I've seen your file, right? But yeah, that doesn't really mean anything in the larger context of of the the universe. They, the thing that I think helps and hurts this game the most is what it expects you to bring to the table in terms of knowledge. Um, if you've played through Halo one through three and ODST, and you did the beta, and you became a fan and read these books and all this stuff, like. The game packs a way bigger punch emotionally and in storytelling than it does um, if you don't. And I was going back and looking at some reviews of the game when it came out. Um, and it was, so I think it sold the most um, in the first opening month than any of the other Halo franchises um, titles. And it made a lot of money, obviously. It reviewed really well. Um, and it was praised for its graphics and for its gameplay. Um, but it was kind of lauded for, or not lauded, it was kind of shot down for its story and for its characters. Um, and and it's still kind of held up very well. I think so. Yeah, and all I w- mean to say by that is that if you bring all this other knowledge to the table, I feel like the two areas where it didn't review as well in terms of the story and the characters are actually pretty decent. Um, you just have to know a lot going in. But what did you think of the game as a whole, in, in as it relates to the rest of the Halo franchise, um, where do you stack it up, and like, what's your kind of general thoughts on the game? Okay, so I'm kind of biased when it comes to Halo Reach and Halo Three. Um, I think Halo Three was phenomenal. It's yeah. probably like one game, and then Halo Two's number two, or Halo Reach is number two. Sorry, Halo Three number one, Halo Reach number two mm-hmm. in my book. Um, I know it's kind of a travesty for some of the people who love Halo. Yeah, Halo, Halo One is perfect, and Halo Two the multiplayer was, you know unbeatable but yeah the amount of time i've spent in both halo 3 and halo reach it's bar none yeah you think you think yeah i think i'd probably go like excluding the 343 stuff i'd probably put halo reach at number one for me and then i'd probably put halo combat evolved as number two and then it gets a little bit squirrely for the other ones in terms of the campaign I, i halo 2 i really loved at the time that i bought it and played it when i was younger um, but I didn't have Xbox Live uh, on the original Xbox, so I didn't really play multiplayer online. And I thought that the campaign, in revisiting it, is probably one of the weaker campaigns of the Halo games. Halo yeah. Halo 1, I thought, was really weak, aside from the Flood. The only reason I think it's weak is because if you really look at it, it's a rehashing of every So, like, you play the first five levels or first four levels, and then it's pretty much playing those levels again in reverse. In reverse with Flood. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
which I mean is okay. It's a great aspect for them. They probably levels, but as as I got older, I realized I'm like, holy crap! I know exactly how to play this. Like I yeah, this earlier. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think overall, I, I really enjoy Halo Reach. Like I said, I've played it again, um, played through it again, I should say, solo and a little bit in co-op um, when it got added to MCC on the, on the PC. And um, I think the story is, is pretty good overall. I mean, what you're essentially witnessing, um, and we're going to spoil some things here, so if you don't want Halo Reach spoiled... Um, well, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast, but basically what, <laughs> what, you know, what happens is you're watching your team slowly die as you try to put band-aids on the erupting situation on Reach of the Covenant arriving um, and the, cl- the planet heading towards its eventual destruction. Um, so you're sent on a series of missions to um, burn and destroy evidence, to gather information out of hard drives, to um, kind of... You know, eventually you're tasked with bringing an AI core that is Cortana um, to the Pillar of Autumn, which is where Halo Combat Evolved begins on the Pillar of Autumn as Master Chief. Um, so a lot of cool connections there. The end of the game really ties into Halo 1 in, in a way that was satisfying to me. Um, and there's actually a little bit of an Easter egg. I don't know if you know this, but um, the cutscene where you hand off the AI core to Lieutenant Key or Captain Keys um, when he gets back onto the Pillar of Autumn, if you move the camera during the cutscene, which you wouldn't think you'd be able to do, you can actually see Master Chief in his pod um, in the hangar, which is pretty cool. Um, it's actually not him. Oh, it's not him. It's Linda. Oh, it's Linda. Uh, it's, so if you read the books, Linda gets tagged by a, um, a hunter plasma cannon thing. Yeah. And it is wounded. Um Master Chief Primus drags her to the Pillar of Autumn and throws her in cryo sleep to stabilize her. Oh. And that's who it is. That's interesting because he because John is also in cryo sleep at the beginning of Halo One, so I just kind of assumed it was him. Yeah, he's not asleep just yet. Ah, uh, I see. So that kind of ties into what I was saying earlier, as far as the timeline being convoluted and the storyline, because you want to go with based on the books, but at the same time, the books are separate from the games. Mm-hmm. Um, even though 3 for 3 has made them all canon at this point, and it's kind of, they, they say different things, so it's kind of hard to tie them in together, but they have yeah. kind of come out recently and kind of cleared some things up as far as that goes. Um, in the end of Halo Reach, you think of, like, the Pillar of Autumn is being there for a while, like it's brand new and it's just being put off the ground, but in reality, the Pillar of Autumn has been, uh, is there for repairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the, I can't remember what the place is. Anyway, long story short, it kind of, We'll get into that later as far as we get down through the storyline goes, but we can continue. I mean, you want to... Yeah, I think what would be kind of good, tell me what you think about this. Maybe we just go through each of the levels and give a couple minutes spiel on like what you're doing in the level and what we thought yeah. of it. Maybe five minutes yeah. per level and we'll get to the end of the game. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with Winter Contingency. Winter Contingency. Uh, essentially, it's the, first, it's the very first mission of the game. Um, so it's kind of like a training mission in every other game. But it's also the first contact with the flood or not with the flood the covenant sorry yeah such a pivotal thing in the games but anyway yeah yeah well we'll get to the flood as we eventually i mean we're starting with reach so we're kind of going chronologically if we eventually want to do a combat evolved discussion a halo 2 discussion i I think as they get added to the master chief collection in pc we can kind of revisit these games but go ahead absolutely anyway um they have a they're tasked to go visit a um, communications relay. Yep. And 
the communications relay is down. They automatically assume, which is kind of funny, you've been at war with this alien race for forever. You assume it's insurrectionists. Yep. And whoever the commanding officer is of has pretty much said that um, he's tasking Noble Team to go take a look at it because he's got a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, saying his bosses have said that it's a gross misallocation, if I'm quoting correctly, of valuable resources, meaning they're sending Spartans to go do something that any Marine group could do. Yeah, they're sending uh, a full team of Spartans, not even... Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but he disagrees, um, mm-hmm. so he's sending them, and it turns out that's probably the best decision he could have made. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you come across this broken command relay um, outside of the major radio relay. Mm-hmm. And this whole area, this little, I guess it's like a little base or like a house where this command relay is, has been completely destroyed um, by plasma fire. And obviously insurrectionists don't use plasma weapons. Um, right. They use conventional uh, gunpowder weapons, kind of like we do. Right. So, um, so it, it can't be them. Yeah. Yep. And you actually you stumble across some insurrectionists, don't you? You stop and like question a family, I think, and they're like, "Yeah, it's not us." Like, or not? They're not insurrectionists, but you stop and you question some farmers um, who have seen yeah. something that's kind of terrified them nearby. Yeah, they're like, "It's not people." Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you can see an alien run across, especially skirmishers, you know the first thing you see. That's yeah, pretty frightening. Yeah. So the the skirmishers, while again not new in the universe, if you like read the books, um, it was the first time we're introduced to this enemy type in the Halo franchise in the games. Um, so they're essentially jackals, Kigyar, but instead of holding a plasma shield in one of their hands, um, they can run around unencumbered. Um, they're much faster. They have sort of like quills coming off the top of their head, like feathers almost. Um, and they can use a new weapon that we're introduced to in this game, which is the needle rifle. It's essentially a marksman needler. <laughs> it shoots the same ammunition as the needler rifle that you see with grunts, um, but it actually can be shot more precisely. And same effect, if you get enough of these needles in you, um, it explodes and does a ton of damage. So what did you think about the skirmishers' introduction in that courtyard and about the new weapon? So personally, I like the skirmishers. Um with a little background on the lore, it's a class area. The skirmishers kind of sucks because they go extinct after shortly after the battle reach. Uh huh. Um, and they never really explain why, which is kind of weird. But anyway. Yeah, I don't uh, know if maybe they get wiped out by the covenant. Like they, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, needle rifle is pretty badass. Um, yeah. I prefer the DMR, which is also a weapon. But. Uh, yeah, it's a new another new weapon for this game. Yeah. Designated marksman rifle. Yeah, it's like a single shot. Um, instead of it's got a similar kind of scoping mechanism to the battle rifle, um, and packs a, a really large punch. Like a single shot to the head for a grunt, or you know, to a jackal or skirmisher will kill them. Um, and same for a, an elite once they have their shields popped. But it's a single shot, and it has bloom, which is another new mechanic that they introduced in Halo oh Reach. God. Bloom. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, the faster you fire your weapon, the la- the less accurate it will become. I mean, it's, it's, was it accurate to reality, but it also is kind of a pain in the butt when you don't have that in any other society to introduce this mechanic. I was okay with Sprint, I was okay with Evade and all the other armor abilities, because they kind of used equipment in Halo 3, but mm-hmm. why would you introduce this into a game? I don't know, I'm not going to get into it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a sort of separate thing, but um, I agree, it seemed a bit strange. Um, yeah. 
But anyway, so yeah, what, so we we encountered the the covenant um, in the form of skirmishers and some grunts and some jackals in this courtyard near the farmer's house. Um, and we sort of relay back to command that it's the goddamn covenant, I believe is what we say. Um, and there's a couple drop shits that come in. Um, there's actually a pretty hard encounter I found um, in this level where the, the level's kind of long, but at one point you're fighting three or four elites um, in. Right at the back. Yeah, like in the farmer area. Um, it's actually pretty hard for that early in the game because you don't have a DMR. Um, so hopefully you picked up a plasma rifle or a plasma pistol and you have some pistol ammo left because otherwise it's pretty impossible. Yeah, it's terrible, especially on Legendary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I play like I think we both play on either Heroic or Legendary always. So if we say a section is difficult or like a combat encounter is pretty hard, like keep, that, keep in mind that we're talking about on those difficulties. Um, I, I haven't games, played a Halo game on easy probably since the very first Halo I ever played. Um, the, so the game is essentially supposed to be played on heroic, is what Bungie had originally stated. Yeah, like, that's the, the intended difficulty. Of it, um, which honestly, it makes the games feel a little more dire um, mm -hmm. if you play them, play them that way. But you know, anyway. Yeah, so we we encounter the Covenant. Um, we continue basically to work our way through this area of reach. Um, you're sort of, I think it's probably a couple kilometers you're working with here. You're, you, at one point you get into a vehicle, you check a couple other uh, outposts for any survivors or any sort of Marines that are left. Um, and eventually you get a call that there's a group of Marines that's holed up um, in a shelter not too far from your position. And there's a couple Covenant dropships en route. So you go and re reinforce them. Um, it's the first place you can pick up the DMR in the game. And what I do really like about this is when you pick up that DMR, it it definitely feels like a power weapon from previous Halos. Um, you can tell that this is a really strong weapon for the game, and um, kind of like mastering this is the key to beating the game on harder difficulties. So yeah, really not, like not that. To go, not to go too far off on another tangent, but originally the battle rifle when you were scoped in was supposed to fire a single shot, kind of like the DMR. Okay. And then when you scope out, it fires three round bursts. Oh. So kind of like the light rifle from Halo 4 and 5. They yeah, kind of I didn't that. know that. Yeah, originally. Yeah. Um, that was back when they introduced it in Halo 2, but hmm. they obviously didn't go that route. And I kind of prefer the burst fire anyway, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I prefer the burst fire too. Um, so, yeah. after but, you... Uh, yeah, go ahead. After you suppress these, or, I mean, repel these um, two or three dropships, I can't remember, I think it's two, mm -hmm. um, you get into a... Which is the I can't remember what the name of the thing is. It's a helicopter thing. It's a, pel it's like a, a hornet. Hornet. Yep. It looks like a hornet. It's something like a falcon or whatever they call. Anyway. Um, Essentially like an airship. It. Yeah. Yeah. Get into it. Uh, you fly to the command relay where they drop you off. Um, once you get into the command relay, you realize that the people who were manning this command relay had been assaulted by elites. Mm -hmm. And you proceed to pursue an elite zealot who is a um, I want to say they're second class below the Royal Guards. Yeah, they're pretty much the strongest elites that you'll encounter in this game. Yeah. Um, you don't really necessarily fight them because he gets away, and the same elite later on is, becomes a thorn in your side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, and you, you basically fight your way through this command relay. You're introduced to the um, elite zealot enemy type um at the end of this sort of long corridor there's a little bit of a section with night vision and some really heavy music kicks in it's pretty cool um 
and gets your your blood pumping. But at the end, you fight two elites um, on heroic or legendary. There's an elite with a concussion rifle, um, which is sort of like the brute shot from Halo Three. And then there's a elite zealot with a sword um, that you have to take down, or maybe not an elite zealot, but it's an elite with a sword. Um, and after you do that, Cat patches into the command relay in the back, um, and you're able to sort of turn it off and figure out and fix it. What's you figure out what's been going on, basically. Yeah, they're trying to block communication to this valley. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, later on, you find out that this valley harboring an invading force of Covenant. Yep. Um, they introduce what's called the Winter Contingency. Um, ironically, the name of the level. Yep. And the Winter Contingency, if I remember correctly, is just a uh, destroy. Pretty much, it's kind of like coal, pro- pro- uh, coal protocol, except not quite as harsh yet. Yeah. Um, it's you. It's a Pretty much an overwhelming force to try and flush out Covenant from this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're unable to, it's a it's a burn mission where you need to destroy data and evidence and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Much. And it also puts Reach under UNSC command essentially, where it's a it's a military run operation now. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, do you want to do you want to move on to the second mission and then kind of to later on, or do you want to? I'm sorry. Say that again. Do you want to move on to the second mission and then do? Like, uh, we'll do part two and, like, cover more missions later? Or do you wanna... Yeah, I think we should maybe do, like, another two missions, and then we'll do... Because there's 11. I'm looking at the list right now. Um, the first one is Noble Actual, we talked about, which is, like, where you meet Carter. It's not really a mission. And then the yeah. last one is Lone Wolf, um, which is not. I'm not going to have a whole lot to say about. So why don't we do Sword Base? Yeah, why don't we do Sword Base and Nightfall, and then we'll call it. Um, so Oni Sword Base is a... Oh, Office of Naval Intelligence. It's a base where they're keeping pretty much all their secrets. And mm-hmm. it's also the main lab for um, Dr. Halsey. Yep. And there's actually two bases. There's Castle Base and Oni Sword Base. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oni Sword Base is the first one that you kind of are tasked to protect. It's and visible. It's actually it's an actual structure that you can see, whereas Castle, Castle is, is underground. underground. Mm-hmm. So... Oni Sword Base is being under attack by the Covenant. Yep. Um, there's actually a Covenant cruiser or Covenant Corvette that's sitting above Oni Sword Base. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of bombarding. It's not glassing necessarily, but it's bombarding with plasma. Um, so you're kind of tasked to help repel these borders. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you start off, you get sort of dropped in this courtyard that you have to clear. Um, typical fare of, of enemies here, nothing too crazy, um, but it, there is a lot of them. So, I, I mean, for me, I in general, just kind of talking about the combat for a second and how I approach the game, I always go for grunts and jackals first, and I save the elites for last. Um, and then, of course, you're using the noob combo, overcharge, headshot, we'll take them out. So if you're playing Halo well, it's pretty artful in the sense that like, you can get through areas with little to no ammunition being used. Because, um, again, jackals and skirmishers and grunts it's a single headshot so you, you work your way through this whole area um you eventually pick up a sort of ordinance which is like a, a gun that'll call in a missile strike um on a on a position and you have to clear out a couple wraiths uh and, and other covenant land vehicles some ghosts from this area in front of sword base yeah which are um pretty much they've deactivated these anti-air anti-air cannons mm-hmm. um, there's three of them that you have to activate which is pretty simple if you have that uh that ordnance dropper or whatever it is the the artillery yeah painter or whatever you want to call it um and then you proceed into 
Oni Sword Base, where you are tasked to fight through the base because there's uh, Covenant obviously inside. Right. And you're climbing to the top of Oni Sword Base mm-hmm. and trying to help uh, clear out some banshees who are flying around it, who are covering this uh, on this Covenant cruiser. Yep. So the, it ends with sort of a shootout on this like balcony um, area where you you have a whole bunch of rockets that you can use and um, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward mission, just really combat heavy. Um, does introduce a couple new things um, with number one being the ordnance call in that we talked about earlier. Um, armor lock is another one that you get. Yeah, you get a, another ability called armor lock, which I'm gonna be honest, I pretty much only use the sprint. Um, Loadout ever maid. like I never use other armor abilities. Um, I use evade quite a bit. The which one? Oh, evade. evade. Yeah, evade is great in multiplayer um, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so that's introduced. You also this is the first level I believe um, where you fight hunters in this game. Um, you fight a oh, pair yeah. of hunters as you're trying to I'm get into sword base. Area. Yep. Um, it's sort of in a little like garage. Yeah. And uh, what did you think of that fight? I thought it was actually pretty difficult on legendary. So yeah, on legendary it's fairly difficult but i like the little banter that they uh the spartans have as you're kind of entering the base and you see hunters it's kind of like a holy shit moment yeah um and hunters are really cool because they're essentially a collective of intelligent worms that can take on any form that they want and the covenant has used them and put them in battle armor um and they have a sort of recharging plasma cannon on their arm and a giant shield as well on their other arm so they're they're really, really hard to kill. They're really the only thing you can do is shoot them in the back, um, and they're exposed sort of meats. <laughs> so, meats. Yeah, so and they're meats. Canonic, can, canonically, canon, whatever. Canonically, yeah. Canonically, this is actually reaches the first planet where um, the UNSC had come into contact with the hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the game's obviously been playing them. The, in the very beginning of, um, not the very beginning, but in Fall of Reach, they're talking about these on this other planet. I can't remember the name of the planet. I don't think it's really that important right now. But um, Master Chief stumbles upon these grunts that had been crushed, mm. like stepped on by something. And it's almost as though, um, as far as the hierarchy in the Covenant goes, the hunters are the top things, and they can just care less about grunts or jackals. Yeah. Walk right on top of them. Yep. It's interesting too because in the uh, in the books um, in Contact Harvest, there's you know again some discussions of a, a regime change in the in the Covenant, and actually the uh, Oracle that's on High Charity is guarded by two a uh, pair a paired uh, set of hunters, and it's actually like more than the uh, the normal prophets who are guarded by the elites and the royal guard and stuff. The uh, the Oracle is actually guarded by these like killing machines, so they have a very high place in the Covenant. They're really well uh, respected. But I, if I remember correctly, at one point they were discovered on a planet and they were almost just like eradicated. And then the Covenant realized they could use them um, for like cleaning and for all kinds of stuff. So I don't know. It's interesting. The yeah. The, ar- the arbiters, the two arbiters before stopped the stopped them from being exactly pretty much eradicated. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so really cool. The only other thing I would say about Sword Base um, that's kind of interesting is if you bought Halo 3 ODST, you got access to the Halo Reach beta in 2000, late 2009, maybe early 2010. Um, and that was the first mission. And play, it was yeah. one of the only, yeah, it was one of the only multiplayer maps that you could play. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I, I really like that map in terms of like Social Slayer. Um, 
It's really funny because in you and I playing competitively for Halo Reach, we never touch that map pretty much. But um, <laughs> if you play like online matchmaking, you'll play that map a lot. Uh, I think it's pretty good. So yeah, it's a it's one of the few games that's that's or one of the few maps that like if you play like a action sack or something like that, it's pretty fun. Action sack, yeah. <laughs> yeah dude, I, I couldn't think of another one like. Uh, I feel like SWAT is always like. Yeah. Anyway, that's a. This is it's a start on for SWAT. Time. Yeah, it's another one. Um. So yeah, at the yeah. end of that mission, you've you've cleared end of sword Oni sword base. You've cleared um sort of the air support for the area. You've turned on the anti air guns again. Um. You pretty much shoot this Covenant carrier out to sea, which Oni sword base is kind of by an ocean, mm-hmm. and it is immediately destroyed by a um destroyed by a Mac cannon from space. Yep. Which so. is a super cool moment. It's a really cool moment. It feels like a small win um, yeah. in, in the moment, but this game does a good job of even the brief moments Squashing of hope. your hopes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, exactly that. I mean, even your brief moments of, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, it just gets immediately squashed because we're just so outmanned and outgunned in every single way uh, against the Covenant. And, of course, if you've played the later games, you know how the story ends. So there's a little bit of anticlimacticness there in the sense that, like, you know it doesn't end well for any of these characters involved. It's a lot like Rogue One in that way. Uh, when you, at the end of the mission, you are called down to the bottom of Oni Sword Base. So I guess essentially the top of Castle Base. Correct. Um, and you speak to Dr. Catherine Halsey, which is the see her in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very first thing she says is talking to George, who is the only Spartan 2 yep. in the group. What have you done to my armor? Mm-hmm. And he kind of looks at her and says, if modifications, ma'am. Um, a lot of people think that he says mom, but it's ma'am. Even yep. though the Spartans did look at her as a mother figure. But then you proceed to have a um, a little bit of a pissing contest, I guess, between Noble One, Carter, mm-hmm. and Dr. Halsey. Because the Spartan Threes have nothing to do with Dr. Halsey. Um, they yeah, have, they don't they have, have the same respect. respect. Yeah, they have respect for her as a high-ranking member, whatever. Uh, right. Even though she's technically civilian, but at the same time, they don't have to jump when she says jump. You know? Right. And I can't remember what he says to her. She says something about it, and he goes with all respect, man. Pretty much shove it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't don't have to listen to you. You know. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty cool moment, especially knowing how yeah. important that character is in the later games, so. Yeah. Um, I guess that relationship later on does kind of, he leaves June behind, so I guess it kind of, I don't know. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get to that. The next one is what you said, Nightfall. Nightfall is the next mission. So that's with um, Noble Six and June. Um, you are tasked with kind of going and infiltrating an area where there's been a known of a, a lot of known uh, resistance and insurrectionist weapons caches. Um mm-hmm. I don't remember actually the specific reasoning behind what you're doing. I think it's an uh, a scouting mission to to sort of get to the edge of this space where there's a shield barrier that's been put up by the Covenant. Well, it's um, not necessarily a shield barrier necessarily. It's, it's a, a cloaking device, right? Well, you don't know it's a cloaking device either yet. Yeah. It, the area's gone dark. Okay. There was um, you were able to see it from space before activity and, and they're trying to figure out why they can't um why they can't see it, you know, via satellite scans or whatever they're using. I right. assume it's satellites, but um, anyway, the idea is you're fighting through, like, on the side of this cliff. Yep. 
and you're fighting, you're trying to do covertly. Um, so you have stealth missions, which, you know, stay quiet, and then you have covert missions, which are, um, you can be loud as long as you take care of anyone who can hear. No survivors. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Um, and this is, in typical Halo fashion, the sniping mission. Um, there's usually Sorry. one of these in each of the games. This is probably my favorite one overall. I, I would say so. Of this, of the sniping missions, this is probably my favorite one. Um, so, I like, yeah. yeah, sorry, good. No, yeah, I was just going to say you're kind of making your way through these, um, s- these cliffs, and you're encountering a whole lot of resistance um, as you kind of move towards this, this point that you're trying to get to. Um, one cool thing is towards the beginning of the level, you encounter a pair of these creatures, and I don't know their names, but they're essentially giant, like, monster-looking bipeds. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're fighting some of the Covenant on Reach, and I thought it was a nice touch uh, to have some of like the local flora and fauna or whatever in the game. Uh, they haven't really done that before in a Halo game. And, and they're attacking the Covenant, which is also great. <laughs> yeah, I love when you can... I love infighting in games in general. Like, if enemies will start fighting each other, it's great. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, those combined with there's some sort of like ostrich things that you encounter too in some of the other levels. So the game did a good job of making Reach feel like it's a planet with a lot of different life on it and a lot of different locales. And so this is just another example of that. Each of the three missions that we've talked about so far has a very different setting um, and environment. And overall, I mean, this is Bungie's last Halo game. They did a fairly good job doing a send-off, you know. I think so. um, Making this feel open and inhabited i guess yeah um so yeah well what happens next Gray? what happens as we progress onward so you come across there's actually a couple yep but you come across the um, rebel forces who are actually insurrection who are struggling with the covenant and you can kind of choose to run past them or help them um depending on how quickly i'm if i'm playing on a score counter i run past them if not i help them out yeah i usually I, it depends what i'm going for like the story playthrough just for fun i'll i'll help them but if i'm trying to like beat part-time or something i'll skip them it's just another hold your ground type thing um if you run past them you have another one first um you run through this little valley area these wraiths are flying over lights and they tell you to like stay out of the light but i don't think anything happens i've never I've never been spotted. Yeah, I don't, I've never I, been spotted, so I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know if you get like extra enemy. At the most, it would be more enemy drops, maybe like another small fight here. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you kind of keep going through there. Uh, you come across this totem thing sticking out of the ground. It's clearly Covenant. Um, you blow it up. You're pretty mm-hmm. much doing a defending mission. You're defending June. Yep. Uh, you blow it up, you go up this cliff, and it goes to a cutscene, actually a really cool cutscene, where you're kind of crawling on this cliff, and you come to this ledge, and you peek out over this huge valley, and there is a ton of Covenant. It's an invasion <laughs> force, basically. Yes, definitely an invasion force. Um, whereas they thought originally it was just like one or two come in and like had not figured out that this planet was a huge military installation, you realize that the Covenant had planned this, and this is a, at least, I mean, later on you find out this is the first wave of an invasion force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which sets up for the um, next tip, mission, which is tip of, tip of the spear. Yeah, I really love the next mission, but we'll probably call it for, for where we're at right now, and we can try to tackle the, re- the remaining missions of the game in the next episode. Um, 
but yeah, close. I mean, some closing thoughts I have just real quick on Nightfall. A um, couple things to point out. There's another hunter fight there in that stand your ground defense while you're uh, helping June. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's again it's relatively difficult. You do get introduced to a new weapon here, which is the plasma grenade launcher. Um, I don't know what they call the actual weapon itself, but essentially what it does is you hold down a trigger. The longer you hold it down, you shoot more plasma grenades out. Um, plasma caster. Plasma caster, there you go. It's pretty effective in fighting hunters because they're really large targets and slow moving. Um, I never used it, though. I always ripped the turrets off the top of the little tower thing. Oh. And shot from there. And nice. it's easy to move. Like, you're not really moving, but it takes 100. You get 200 shots when you rip off a turret. Mm -hmm. It takes 100 shots to kill each. I mean, you have to make them count, but at the same time, it's easier to do it that way and it's quick. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to try that next time I play it. Um, yes. Yeah, and then the only other thing to call out here, um, it's kind of funny. So the area you're defending is the basically the progression towards the end of the level. There's that, like, uh, giant steel door that you have to open, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And if you drive the forklift, there's a forklift in this map. If you drive the forklift over to the wall and position it right, when you hop out, you'll actually hop through the wall and you can skip this part. Um, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, I've only been able to successfully do it once, but it's pretty cool when you can pull it off because you save a lot of time. Um, yeah, and also this area where you have this final defense with those hunters is the other map that was in the beta for Halo Reach multiplayer. So, um, again, like another, you know, Halo where they're using the campaign levels for their multiplayer levels and stuff too. So, interesting stuff. Saving resources. Yeah. Yeah, but I do like that where, like, you encounter the multiplayer map in the campaign. You're like, oh, that's cool. Like, it's actually, like, a place from, you know, it's not just, like, some yeah. random map that exists for no reason, so. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think that was a pretty awesome discussion to start off for Halo Reach. I mean, we covered a lot of the backstory and info we need to get up to discuss Reach and then got, you know, about a third of the way through the game, so pretty solid. I mean, Tip of the Spear is kind of a long, uh, longer mission. So yeah, so so next episode, guys, we will cover Tip of the Spear. Um, we got Long Night of Solace, which is a mission that I find to be the most frustrating mission on the planet, especially for Legendary. Um, Exodus and New Alexandria. So like these four kind of in the middle here, I don't love, to be honest. Um, I, I think Exodus is okay. Um, but then the Package and the Pillar of Autumn are the two, and the Lone Wolf mission are the ones to close it out and... I think that I think the game finishes and starts really strong. I think the middle missions are probably my my least favorite, but we'll talk about why next time. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, anything you want to say to the people listening, Gray, other than thank you? I mean, no. Yeah. Thanks for listening in. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me, Gray, and uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to episode two of Coffee Kids, and we will see you next time. Take care. All right. Have a good one.